Hello, everyone. This is Michelle, and welcome to another episode of the WTF Podcast, where we discuss the challenges faced by Black entrepreneurs in the U.S. and globally, particularly women, to access funding to grow and scale innovative ideas and demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. This season, I have been doubling down on conversations about diversity, equity, inclusion, and access to funding for founders who have been traditionally underrepresented in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. And immigrant founders and women are particularly underrepresented groups within the funding and entrepreneurship. The funding, not the entrepreneurship ecosystem. In the previous episode with Chinadu Inekwu, general partner at Passbook Ventures, a venture capital firm that invests in diverse and new and global founders. We talked about access to funding for immigrant founders, the importance of immigrant businesses in the U.S. economy, and the need for greater access to funding for immigrant business owners. The Center for American Entrepreneurship analyzed the Fortune 500 data for 2017, and they found that 43% of these companies were founded or co-founded by an immigrant or the child of an immigrant. Immigrants play a big role in the Maryland economy. 66,350 immigrant business owners accounted for 23% of all self-employed Maryland residents in 2018 and generated $1.7 billion in business income. Most of my conversations on this podcast so far has been about access to investment capital, whether angel, VC, or private equity. In this episode, we will be discussing the role of debt capital and in particular, the support that M&T Bank provides to small business owners. My guests today are Balu Konde Kuyete, Vice President of Business Banking Relationship at M&T Bank in the state of Maryland, covering the Washington DC capital region and Perpetual Amoa, owner of Kanishi Market, a retailer and wholesaler of authentic African Caribbean and Latin American groceries and products. Ladies, Welcome to the WTF podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So maybe walk me through a little bit the relationship between the both of you. Perpetual, you recently opened up the Kanishi Market, um, which is a supermarket that sells African, Caribbean, and Latin American products. But before you got to that stage, tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you came to be in a relationship with M&T Bank and the role that M&T Bank played in you being able to open up this physical store. Thank you, Michelle. It's an honor to be in here. Um, It's quite a long story, but the summary was that um, about four years ago, 2017, um, I decided to start Kaneshi Market. During that time, I was running the business in my truck and going to churches and different programs to give to people. And I thought the need of that initially because when I, I moved from Texas to Owens Mills and I couldn't find a very organized and neat African store to shop. And sometimes when I go there, the stuff I want is not available. So I started this um, small business in my truck. I normally take these groceries to churches and other communities. So normally after church, I would just stop 
hey, I have this, do you want to buy? And gradually, um, I gained a lot of clients. So I decided to use my garage and my basement as a selling point. And I also- Well, you know, lots of successful businesses have started in garages and basements, famously Amazon, supposedly. So I think you're on a good track so far. And Google also started in a garage. (laughs) There you go. Yes, so we started there and I opened an online um, website where I could sell my product. Eventually, I joined the Amazon platform and Walmart uh, marketplace, and that's where I was selling. Then I identified around 2020 that um, I'm unable to sell most of the product the customers are asking for because I have limited space and um, capital to fulfill. And also when you are running business from home, even though we are registered, we are restrained from selling certain items like frozen meats or fish or stuff like that. We could not sell it. Mm -hmm. So that is when I decided to get a physical store. And um, I started my research and doing a whole bunch of things. I first contacted um, Wells Fargo Bank, which is the first bank we opened our business account with when I first started running the thing from my car all the way to the garage. Unfortunately, Wells Fargo turned me down, stating that the amount of money I need is too small. They need me to so I want to say something that, you know, oftentimes rejection is redirection. And it seems as if you were redirected in Amen. a good direction. So <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you continue with the story. Yeah. So that's how I mean, I was a bit devastated because I'm like, aside being um, a personal Volkswagen customer, I opened a business account with you for the past two, three years So. Why is it that you can't help me in any way? They say they are sorry. I tried to reach out to um, CQ. It's a credit union bank. I did the application. I did everything in last minute. I got the same story. Your revenue is too small. We can't help you. So in fact, I was about to give up because I felt like um, there is no way around. Then... Out of a blue, one of my friends just called me. And so we're talking and I said, hey, I really need help because the funds I have is not going to be sufficient based on the COVID and changing prices and all that. So I just need a little bit more. I don't want to take a big loan, but everyone is telling me that. So I said, no, don't worry. I know someone in MNC Bank. She can help you within minutes. I'm like, really? So the guy introduced us via email, and that's how I met Balu. And she's been great every step of the way. So that's a good segue for Balu to introduce herself and talk a little bit about what she does. But before she does that, so Perpetual Story is not an unfamiliar one, where especially small businesses find it difficult to connect to commercial capital when they're trying to start or expand a business. Tell us how M&T Bank is different. If I may, uh, and I now will introduce myself, but uh, 
if I can just bridge to, you know, bridge the, 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 the gap, you know, kind of build on what Perpetual said, that someone connected us. If I can just begin there and kind of elaborate and then go back to your question. And I think that would be uh, very meaningful. Perpetual just said that after knocking on many doors, I think two, three, being told no, she just gave up, but then talked to someone who said, oh, I know someone. Let me just say, when we say it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a network to, to raise a business. A business. <laughs> yes. Let me say that. And uh, that network is built from both ends. And uh, you, you know, that's where MNT community banking model is so important. Um, the person she's talking about is a community network partner of mine. And I usually, you know, on a weekly basis, reach out to those community leaders that I have befriended, that I have connected with, that I, you know, I have attended events or co-hosted events with. So I usually send them reminders. Here's what we have for entrepreneurs. Here's what's going on. Hey, do, do you know anyone who needs help for this? And this happened that one Friday evening, I decided, okay, there is a couple of folks that I have not engaged in a while. Let me send them a flyer about small business lending, especially our express application. I sent that, I think on a Friday night and this community leader partner of mine got the flyer in his inbox on a Saturday morning and happened to be talking to Perpetual. And then he decided, you know what? The information Baloo just sent me yesterday looks like that's what just, that's what Perpetual needs today. And on that Saturday, I got an introduction and the intro actually had an email I had forwarded, just saying it really takes a network. At MNT, this is a great moment to introduce our community banking model. We don't just sit in our offices. We know small businesses uh, need help. And it's very intimidating to go to banks, just like what you heard. But because we are proactive, we are in the community, we network with people who know the real, the, the real entrepreneurs that need help. Um, that's how we, Perpetual and I met. I don't think it's by luck, it's by hard work on her end and on my end. And finally, it happened. So uh, that's really a segue. So to talk a little bit about, you know, myself a little bit, I am a business banking relationship manager here at MNT. By functional title, vice president for Washington, D.C. and suburban Maryland. But uh, if I look at a day-to-day -day, uh, view of what I do, I am an advisor, I'm an advocate, and Perpetual will tell you that, and I'm a connector. So every day I connect, uh, I advocate on small businesses' behalf in front of underwriters, in front of um, internal team members. Uh, I also introduce them to resources, you know, that they usually uh, do not get uh, access to. How important, so, is that? How important is that advocacy piece? Very, very important. Important because numbers are numbers, but somebody got to be able to tell your story. Somebody got to be able to believe in your business model and really be able to translate that in terms of what's doable and what's not doable. 
if you look at our model, for instance, we are divided in regional, uh, in regional um, you know, community maps. And that's simply because we want decisions about loans to be made by people who know that particular community. So if I need to advocate for a perpetual, or let's say a decision comes down that I know might not go, and might not lead to a positive outcome, the way we are organizing a community banking model, I can go to my regional manager, my regional president, and really you know, revisit that loan or appeal something. Not saying that every appeal will go through, but at least the system is built in such a way that it is humanized to listen to every story and look at what can work. I never heard of loans being too small. The need was there, the business plan was there. So we just had to, to meet her where she was. So Perpetual, what was that experience like from your vantage point, from your um, interacting with Balo and m and Bank? I think this has been the best experience ever. They are with, with me every step of the way. And it wasn't only just doing the business application for the loan. Initially, I thought about, oh, just having a small amount of loan to add to my money and blah, blah, blah. That's all. So how much were you um, initially applying for? I was looking for like about 50,000 thereabout. And um, Balu was like, oh, okay, let me see what I can do. But the good news is David gave me more and also gave me a line of credit. I didn't even know I could get. And they also gave me credit card all on that one package. So I couldn't be more grateful. But she did the homework. She presented us with a business plan that was well built. So, so walk us through what the homework looks like, Balu, for other entrepreneurs who might be listening or people who are thinking about starting a business and pursuing commercial credit. What does commercial credit readiness look like? Commercial credit readiness really uh, is simple. First of all, you got to have a business model that, that works. Uh, in this case, it was a retail uh, store model. Uh, she had vetted it for at least a couple of years, knowing that there is a market for her product. Because you got to have that. Because if you don't have a market, you cannot repay any loan you will borrow, right? So she did that. And as she explained, she was able to sell to churches from her truck and then ended up realizing that I need a brick and mortar location. Now, the business plan, I would say, is key. You need to have a working business plan. That's very important because that's what's going to tell the lender how important or how serious you are about this business. So the business plan will talk us a lot more about the business and also give us projections. Where do you see this business two, three years from now? It might not turn out that way, but that's important to have. Did Perpetual already have her business plan? Perpetual, did you already have your business plan ready before you approached? And how long or how long prior to approaching did you have your business plan ready? Well, I had my business plan long before I actually started my business. I just had it in phases starting from my truck to my garage. So I have short-term plan and long-term plan and the future plan. So everything was 
together. And um, my partner that did help me connect to Balu is also an accountant that I do work with him every day on our um, ledger and everything. So we have all those projections already built and that's the same thing I submitted to the previous banks that, you know, for Wells Fargo, they didn't even care to look at it at all. It was just outright. But the CQ, they reviewed that they couldn't help. So, so uh, Balu, what did you see in that business plan and in their application package that other lenders didn't see? And, and that's what I wanted later. I saw a plan that was well built. Uh, that needed probably a little more question and answer uh, answering. Like we sat down and talk about certain things in the plan and uh, just uh, dig a little deeper behind uh, the, the projections. So just make sure the entrepreneur has a, a good understanding of the things that were there. So there was no doubt in my mind that she was passionate about this business, that she believed in it, and that those numbers were not guesstimated, that they were well projected. Um, yeah. And then the second phase for me was to then go through the credit process. And I didn't do that alone. And Perpetua will tell you, I introduced her to one of my branch managers uh, because as a business banker, I do loans from 250,000 to 10 million. However, I do work with three branch managers that I oversee and each branch manager can do up to 250. So I introduced her to one of my branch managers and then we worked together and then in that phase, what we look at is the five C's of credit. If any entrepreneur is listening, those five C's of credit are very, very important. Drop those C's. Yeah. First C is character. Second C is capacity. Second, third C is capital. Fourth C is collateral. And fifth C is contingencies or conditions. For Pertual, I know you're looking at me, but basically think of those C's as five pair of glasses banks put on behind the scene to now scan through that business plan and do different things and then come to a decision. So those are the things we did. Now with the first C character, what do we pull? Your credit report. The first C is all about that. Does the first C really look at your past performances? Lenders want to know, how have you performed on previous financial obligations? And you'll be surprised. Many entrepreneurs tell me, oh, that's a business loan. My personal credit don't matter. No, it does matter. So that first C will pull your credit. How yeah. much does it matter, Balu? It matter as much as over 600 plus FICO scores. Mm. And this changes by banks. So, you know, but above that area. And it matters also because we also pull the business credit score and you pull all those two in, in, in at FICO. So not only the personal score, but also the business score, which is called the SBSS score, small business scoring system. And each one of those two is analyzed in a certain way. So of course I don't do that analysis, but it comes to me in a loan package. So first C, we talked about that. Bankers will pull, look at your character, meaning evaluate your past performance according to your previous financial obligations. So needless to say that perpetual past that. Second C is capacity. 
that looks at your current performance and future performance, meaning how are you doing today? How's this business doing? Does the business generate enough cash flow? You know, of course, for a startup, I may not look at a huge cash flow, but that's where the projections in the business plan come to play. Because if you have just started, let's say last year, you may not have two, three years of business tax return to give me. But the little that you have, we'll look at that. And then we look at your projections. So when I said, when I looked at her projections, I knew they were not guesstimated. They were well projected. That's what I meant. And the third C is, you know, um, your capital. Capital meaning, does the entrepreneur have anything to contribute to this deal? Even when you apply for SBA loans, you have to put down something. Well, when you buy a house, you put down something. So SBA will ask for 10%. Uh, bankers will ask for maybe 20% or more, but not for lines of credit, of course, but term loans. But in this case, capacity means, I mean, capital means, the third C, does the entrepreneur have anything to contribute to the deal? Any cash set aside? That's where we look at bank accounts, what do you have saved? Have you saved for rainy days? Do you have something to contribute? Did you hear Perpetual say that she didn't need to borrow much because she had already something that she had put together. She had been saving for this project that she cares so much about. She only needed a little bit. So that's an so, important point because entrepreneurs yeah. are also investors in their own businesses. So Exactly. Yeah. So to show that you're serious, really, I mean, you have to contribute something. For some, it's this small. For some, it's huge. It really depends. But she had done that. She had also put something aside. So her equity was on the table. And the what, fourth Before we go on to the fourth C, what does it depend on? The amount of collateral that you have to, to bring to the table. Collateral is another C. So I'm not even there yet. I'm okay. just at capital. Capital really looks at hard cash. Cash equity. Right. You're okay. So, so it depends on. And that is dependent on what? It really depends on the loan amount. Okay. Like I was saying, uh, for uh, instance, for lines of credit, there is no, you know, it, you know, down payment there. But if you're looking to buy like an equipment or you want to, you know, you know, um, you want to, you want to buy your own property for your, for your business. That's where you have to do a down payment. So your equity injection could be 10% if we're going SBA. And if it is a non-SBA loan, you know, then 20%. But SBA is 10%. Okay. Uh, so it really depends on the loan amount. So let's say you're applying for 100,000. That means you need to have 10,000. 10, if you're applying for 10,000, you need to have 1,000. It it's really based on the loan amount, you know. So uh, we looked at that and virtual again, had done uh, a great job preparing for this day. Um, you know, of course we had some discussions there. And then the fifth, the fourth is collateral. Collateral meaning in addition to the cash that we talk about, do you have any property asset to pledge or any other additional marketable securities? It depends on how sophisticated the deal is. In this case, we didn't really need any because the loan amount was around 100,000 or less, that can be totally uncollateralized, basically. Uh, and condition really means, does this make sense? 
you know, what she's asking for, does it make sense? And I believe for us, it made sense. Some other banks said it probably didn't make sense because the loan was too small. But for us, it made sense because I could see how uh, she had worked really hard to get to the point that she was at. That's number one. The, the business plan was there. The loan amount was small. Of course, it was small because she had also saved money to bring her own equity to the table. You have to value that. That cannot be a deterrent, right? So, um, you know, really, so if you put all those together and then you have a community lender who really believes that if people in the community like Perpetual succeed, we as an organization will succeed, then no loan is too small. We will go ahead and do it. And, and then, you know, but we have to be fair to everyone and really go through the 5C model, let's see, you know. Thank you for that breakdown of the 5Cs. So Perpetual, you've, you've been open for a few months now. How's it going? We know where it started, out of the trunk of a car. We know where you are now. So tell us about where you are now and where it's going. Okay. So where we are now, we are about four months into um, the new store. And so far, so good. We are very grateful to God. We have been introduced to new customers that, you know, we thought it will take some time because we did read a lot of articles and other stuff that was saying, oh, for business, it will take you three years before you can break even, before you can do that. So we did all that research and we're ready for it. But praise be the name of God. We have been doing so great that we thought we will be doing. So we are very grateful. And um, it's because I guess we had our plan and we have a strategy in place. So we are using all the necessary strategy to beat the market. And um, some of the stuff we are doing currently is making sure we are very public on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Google, and um, on the personal website. And also there is an, a popular app that foreigners or immigrants use most. It's called WhatsApp. And that's one of the tools. Everyone uses WhatsApp of- these days, friend. <laughs> it's the global <laughs> <Okay>. connector. <laughs> All right. So um, what we do is we basically send ad out every Thursday evening or Friday or whenever we want to run some promotions or whatsoever. And that has been giving us a lot of traction. Having that also, we are connected on Facebook Marketplace. We are on Instagram and with the Facebook Messenger and Google Messenger, people can look at our ad and send us a message right away and we respond. So to us, the social media has been a very great tool to help put us out there. So I have two quick questions. One, what does it mean to your customers to be able to go into a physical store and not just purchase online? And two, maybe for people who are not as familiar with WhatsApp marketing and messenger marketing, um, maybe break down a little bit 
how you do that. Okay, so thank you very much. For those um, of our customers, they like the brick and mortar. Like the Costco CEO said some time ago, he said the brick and mortar is not going anywhere. The online is great, but sometimes having the physical experience, touching and feeling the item is a great way. I have a lot of fabrics from West Africa, Ghana to be specific, and a lot of African-Americans and other nationalities love these fabrics. When it's online, it's just a picture. They may like the pattern, the design, but they can't make a decision. But with this brick and mortar, they come, they feel it. Oh, yes, I like this. And maybe they came in to buy just a can of milk, but because they see that they, uh, they purchase it. Some stuff is just like what you wear with the necklace and the anklets and the beads and stuff like that. They Everybody is in love with that. And so... They want to feel it in order to purchase, to make sure, okay, is the weight okay? Is it too light? And in, on the online market, you can give as much description as possible, but some people don't feel comfortable doing that. They like the touch and feel. So that's what is making the difference. People will choose the brick and mortar if they have the opportunity versus online. Because you're dealing with a mostly, at this point, immigrant um, market, do you find that it's easier to do WhatsApp marketing and messenger marketing more so than other types of social media marketing and that reaches your market better or is it the same? Um, With the WhatsApp, I think that is very much um, productive and beneficial. What I have seen is that once somebody sees a video or an ad or whatsoever you send to them, people can easily click forward within a twinkle of an eye and send it to their network versus me having it on a page like, let's say Google, just Google page or just a regular Facebook page. They're like, okay, that's nice. But it will take them time because online, if you want to share, you have to go click, click, click. But with the WhatsApp, they have their phone. They just click forward and they can choose the people. Boom, 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 boom. And so one person can forward to almost all their contacts. And WhatsApp also give us that opportunity to create what we call broadcast. So if you have a certain network that you share with and we have all those various groups like you may have your year group the school you went with the, your job group you have that you have, so all that is just one act so instead of them to send it to individual people they can just send it to that group and that helps spread the word versus doing it on the regular uh, social media I have one final question for you as we start to wind down. What advice would you give to another immigrant woman business owner like yourself who is either contemplating starting a business or has just launched a business? <laughs> the advice will be simple. As you know, life is full of 
risk taking. You must be willing to um, take that risk by making very informative decisions. So um, whatever it is that you want to do, there is nothing that is form on a silver platter. And I believe most immigrants are aware of that. The way we were raised and where we come from, we've been through a lot. So um, not doing anything is not an option. You must be ready to take that risk. And you also have to set up your mind that um, it can go either way. So you have to be prepared. But the most important thing is you must have God first place in the center of everything that you do. So letting God direct you, doing your research as much as you can, I believe that you can do anything you want to make sure, and I tell all my friends, make sure you surround yourself with positive-minded people. One thing I've come to realize is that some of us, because of our background, how we were raised, we live in mediocrity. We live in some sort of fear. So even though somebody have a very great idea, they, they feel like, are you sure I can do this? What if, what if, okay, think positive. What if it fails? How about what if it passes? What if you succeed? Look at it from five years from now. If you have an idea and you keep procrastinating it, whether you do it today or not, the five years will come. So why can't you start it? Have that determination, focus on God, and I believe everything will come together. So you must have that desire and that passion that this is what I want to do and be surrounded with positive-minded people, and you'll be okay. I love it. I love it. Follow. I would love to answer the same <laughs> question. <laughs> I, I, am, I, I was planning on asking you the same question. What advice would you give to women and small business, women small business owners and immigrant small business owners, or even not so small business owners, um, about business? First of all, I will echo what Perpetual said. Look at the glass halfway full, not halfway empty. Believe in yourself and do it, number one. Uh, number two, I would say, please, please find a local bank, build a relationship with a local bank. And sometimes that's missing. You may, not have, you may have ideas and you're bringing in a lot of things, but you may not have connected with that local bank to walk the walk with you. That is very important. There are still banks out there that are community friendly and don't wait until it's too late. Connect also in the community. You have to go to networking events, go to your local fair, you know, attend the webinars. If it weren't for a community connection, Perpetual and I would have never met. So for those who think banks are intimidating, then go to your local community event. Connect with people that are connected. They will connect you to a local bank like what happened in our case. But most importantly, build a relationship with a local bank. Very important. Because it requires a network to scale a business. 
Yes. If I can hashtag that, I will. <laughs> oh, we'll hashtag it all right. Yeah. So before, thank you ladies so much. And before we fully close Perpetual, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners where they can find you at your various social media sites. We are on Google. You can search us as Kaneshi Market USA. Our website is KaneshiMarketUSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and um, WhatsApp. So you can WhatsApp us at uh, 443-470-5185. You can call our mail line at 410-413-9812. You can also email us at sales at Kaneshi Market usa.com more importantly we do free delivery in and around owens mills maryland within two hours when you place your order you can submit your order online or through whatsapp and we also have a mobile payout um pay system so you don't have to um say oh i don't want to put my credit card information online once we deliver our order, you can pay us there. We also accept Cash App, Zelle, and EBT. So we are trying to support our community. We do understand how working moms are struggling to keep you know, their job as well as maintaining their African culture, and all the delicacies. That's why Carnation Market is here. We are here to make your life much easier at affordable price. You can also visit our local store at 10999 Red Run Boulevard, Suite 107, Owens Mills, Maryland, 2117. We are behind the UPS and Sushi queue. Thank you. That was a great final plug. And all of this information will be included in the show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes. Thank you, ladies, so much. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for another episode of the WTF podcast. If you would like to be a guest or sponsor the podcast, please contact us at where's the funding at gmail.com. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Help us grow by subscribing, streaming, downloading, rating, reviewing, sharing, all that good stuff. So. Make sure that your customers listen to the WTF podcast when you're on and follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram at where's the funding podcast and follow me, the host, Michelle J. McKenzie on LinkedIn. Thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.